Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning, everybody. How are you all today? For those of you that don't know me, I may need these. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, if I haven't had the opportunity and privilege of meeting you, my name is James Pope. I'm the on-site pastor for Encanto. Looking forward to you guys coming out. Well, I guess on the uh, next week here for the colors, come down to make a mess of the place. Come on down. And then also for September 10th, the community fast. So, anyway, it's a privilege to share God's word with you this morning uh, while Pastor Pete is on sabbatical. And uh, I know he's looking forward to getting back. I know he's already working on sermons and uh, praying for, he's always been praying for you guys. So um, how it's going to go today, uh, we're going to read John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. We'll read those first 12 verses, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into John chapter 9, and then a couple of reflections, and then uh, you guys will be uh, done with me. But I, actually, I do have kind of like one request, though. Um, like even now, uh, at this point, sometimes we come here with a lot of heavy burdens and um, a lot of trauma that we may have experienced that we might not have even dealt with in our life. And we come with some preconceived ideas and notions. We come with anger. We can't come with all sorts of junk. And I just want you to ask the Lord right now to help you to empty your mind of those things and be ready to be filled with the Spirit so that you can hear what He has to say to you. Amen. And because I'm praying that for myself, and, uh, and I pray that for you, that, you know, when we pick up this book, this isn't some exercise that we just do because they say to do it. It, it isn't some like going to college and opening up a textbook, you know, and, and just think I'm just going to fill up my head with knowledge and that's it. The Holy Spirit, the living God wants to work in you and through you, wants to deal with you and wants to lavish his love upon you. But sometimes we just let things get in the way and we have to let it go. So that, that's, that's the commitment I pray that you would bring forth to the Lord this morning. So, John chapter 9, let me turn there. <clears throat> and it reads this way. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, teacher, master, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world... As Roper said, I am the light of the world. 
When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore, for this reason, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, ah, he's like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore, because of this, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, as he now getting ready to give testimony, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and, and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. And that's going to be the end of the reading, but we're going to be in this for the next couple of weeks. So let's pray. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. And Lord, may we be able to say the end of today, because of of your amazing grace that we were blind but now we see but then at the same time Lord there's an amazing thing here as we would continue in the next couple of weeks in this scripture blind in your economy is not necessarily a bad thing it makes our heart tender towards you and open to grabbing hold of your hand and being led by you. And so would you move us to that degree? And would you enable our hearts to receive what you want to speak to us today? And it's in your matchless name, Jesus, that we pray and ask these things. And in your power and authority, we ask these things. Amen. Okay can't see. So last week, as we were closing out the eighth chapter, Jesus upset a whole lot of folks because he equated himself to being God. That's the thing that we have to remember. You know, John wrote these things that we have in this gospel so that we might believe and that not only believe, but that we might have life in his name. So he did so much more than what is here, but what he's written is so that we would believe in that we would have life in his name. 
And Jesus is, as he's doing, I, I say battle, he's conversing with the religious rulers of the day. And he's saying that he is God. Now, he didn't come quite out and say, hey, I'm God, you must worship me. But the terminology that what he used here was enough to where they were going, hey, it sounds like you're breaking the first of the two command of the Ten Commandments. It's, it's, it's like you're saying that you're God and you should be worshipped in a roundabout way he is. It's almost like, you know, it says, thou shalt not make any carved images and graven images and worship and bow down to them. And so they're upset and they want to stone him because as he's talking, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was a thought, before Abraham was a baby, before Abraham came into being, before Abraham was called Abraham, I was already here. Before all of this, and, and John actually opens up his word by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and he created all things. So, whoa. So they want to stone him. And so he's, in verse 59 of the eighth chapter, it says this. It's amazing. Verse 59, then they took up stones to throw at him because he said, I am. I am the self-existent one. I am the uncaused cause of the universe. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. How did he do that? Jesus is in the middle of the throng of religious rulers and in the temple it says that he hid himself, but he's also in the middle of them. They can't see him as he's slipping away so he doesn't get stoned. Why? Because the religious rulers were blind, spiritually. And it wasn't his time, but they could not see him, and he slips out. And then it's, it's interesting how the next thing that happens is that now as Jesus passed by, chapter 9, verse 1, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So we go from a group of folks that sh should have vision, should have sight. They've got the Messiah standing right in front of them. They have got God in the flesh incarnate right in front of them. And they can't see him. They can't recognize him. They can't understand who he is. And they can't even understand his words. And then now we go into another individual, an individual now. We go from a group of folks to an individual who is blind from birth. Now, this guy was biologically blind. He could not see physically, but he was also spiritually blind. And the thing that gets me when I, when I read this is the reality of all of us here in this room, we were all born blind in the spiritual sense. You and I don't realize it. The word tells us that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and because of that one man's sin, sin spread like a virus, worse than the coronavirus, because it brings not only sin, but it brings death completely to the whole planet. So everyone who is originally supposed to live forever is going to now die. So they're stuck with this disease that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. It isn't because you're an alcoholic. It isn't because you're a drug dealer. 
It isn't because you beat on your husband or your wife or whatever. It's because of that original sin from the garden is why we are separated from God and why we're dying. We want to focus in on one little aspect of our life, and that keeps us down, keeps us in despair, keeps us discouraged. And when we focus on that, and we don't focus on the one who's come to actually save us from sin, death, and destruction. So we have this in us that we don't recognize until we, we make that decision to say, hey, Lord, would you give me sight? Give, give me the ability to see. Would you come into my life? Would you give, come into my heart? Lord, would you make things new? Because without that, I'm not going to be able to see right, hear right, walk right, talk right, live right at all. Because we're void of the Spirit of God. So we're going to function and just be these biological creatures of carnality. And all we're going to do all our life is just consume. Consume, consume, consume until we go into the grave. Much like a caterpillar. That's all that a caterpillar does until he's transformed. And then he's transformed into a moth or a butterfly. And that's what we want. We want to be transformed from this consuming caterpillarish type of creature into an individual that is supposed to be who he's supposed to be, which is made in the image of God. He behaves and acts and, and creates as being in the image of God. So here we are. We're, this, we're like this walking zombie type of thing and... But anyway, I've gone too long on just that verse, but he's blind from birth. I'm submitting to you and I that you and I also have been blind from birth and that our eyes need to be opened. So his disciples asked him, verse 2, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, culturally, that, that, that was the thought that if... Um, Someone had a defect or a uh, disability or a different ability. Diffability, I think, is, is a good term to use now. So if, if, if you had a, what's called a disability, you have other abilities in you that are maybe different than everybody, but yet you do have abilities that God has given you. But the, um, excuse me. But the reality is this. It wasn't their sin and it wasn't the generational sin that may have been passed down from generation to generation, why this guy actually has this disability, this ability not to be able to see. And Jesus answers this by saying, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So, I mean, if, if, if I knew that, if I say I had, the, if, if I was blind and Jesus told me early, hey, look, you're going to be on this planet in the first several years of your life. You're not going to be able to see. Be like, hey, can we talk about this? Uh, can, we, can we discuss this and try to figure something else out? He doesn't tell him that, but this guy appears to be born so that God could reveal his works through him. You know, some folks uh, may even point at you. Oh, man, you're struggling with this. You know, it's because of your sin. You're just such a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner. You know, that's why you're having the difficulties and troubles that you're having. Well, when you, you got to look through the whole of Scripture, you know, you look at Job. Job was uh, in the land of Uz, and he was considered a blameless and upright man, a man just filled with righteousness. And look at the calamity that fell upon Job. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. Man, but here was a blameless man that was upright walking with God. 
but it wasn't because of his sin. But then if, as you watch the life of Job, you begin to see the invisible movements of God working in his life and through his life, even through the midst of great tragedy. God is doing something. And so you and I, we have to remember that because if I've got God's, the ability to see from God's perspective, no matter what you and I go through, it's going to be okay. You know, the promise of God is this, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So if I'm struggling with this issue over here, or I got this trial and this temptation and this tribulation over here, that promise is, is for us. Everything for the believer in the scriptures is yes and amen. So God, you got this. But we have this, we're cloaked in this flesh that gets in the way and sometimes we're not able to see as we ought to be able to see. We're not able to understand as we ought to understand. And so that's why we're supposed to come to the Lord and Lord, now give me the ability to see you. Show me your glory is what we sang just moments ago. God, I can't see your glory in the pain that I'm at right now. I'm hurting. But show me your glory. Let me see the backside. Hide me in the cleft of the rock, God, please. And wait and trust and watch him do it. So he continues and says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Wow. He gives us a lot. I'm not going to unpack this whole thing, but I'm going to give us something here that I want us to really see. So what the works of God that he would want us to see? So Isaiah chapter 42, these are servant passages of the Messiah. You know, that it's going to talk about the servant of God, and which is the Messiah, which also is God. But before I get there, I want you to also see what um, Paul says about the servant in Philippians chapter 2. So I, I'm, I, I can make the assumption that most of us in here know the Lord, at least in some form or fashion. So in Philippians chapter 2, if, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if you've ever been consoled in him, if any comfort of love, if you've ever been comforted by his love, if you ever fellowshiped in the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. That gets me right there. Can you imagine what this room would be like just in this room alone? If we begin to esteem each other as better than ourselves, you begin out serving this person, he begins out serving that person and, and, and without any selfish ambition or conceit, and you just start serving and loving on each other like crazy. Even, maybe it's all, almost a competition in your heart that I am just going to love on him or I'm going to love on her like nobody ever has. What would this room be like? And if it like the coronavirus, if it's spread out through the rest of the world, what would it be like? What would the world be like? 
since Paul is urging us to be like-minded in this. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God on the same level as God, but made himself. He's willing that he made himself. He's chosen to be of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant, a free will slave is what he's saying. Bondservant sounds okay. When you break it down and say he made himself a free will slave, now that's another level. He made himself a free will. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And because of this, God has also, also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So that's what Paul's view of the servant, which is Christ. Son of God, God of God, the son of man. That's his view. Isaiah's view is this. God is speaking to Isaiah here in, verse, in chapter 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. Now, we're, we're in this thing because we want to understand the works of God. What are the works of God? He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles because it is the view of the Jews, of course, that the Gentiles are irreligious, ungodly, puke and filth of the earth. They'll never have a relationship with God is, is the view. But this Messiah... The servant of God is going to come and bring forth justice to the the Gentiles. How is he going to bring forth justice to the Gentiles? Because just as he died on the cross for the Jews, he died on the cross for the Gentiles as well. And the punishment that they may have deserved to, according to the sins that they have done, the the sin that has spread from from the beginning of, almost the beginning of time, he's going to pay for those sins himself. And so... Justice is meted out on, on, on Jesus. He's the one that went to prison down in the cells and the dungeons of hell for you so that you don't have to experience that, that I don't have to experience that. So justice, God's justice is being brought. The end of verse six, well, actually I'll start at verse six. I, the Lord, have called you, he's talking about his servant, in righteousness and right living. And God himself is the one that's going to hold Christ's hand, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. Give you as a covenant to the people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him will not perish but have everlasting life. As, and then it finishes out, as a light to the Gentiles, because the Gentiles, again, were the ones that they viewed as walking in darkness. So here comes the light of the world so that, the light of, so that as the light of the world is up, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself, is what Christ said. And so here's the light of the world up here in the midst of the darkness where we're all dwelling. We're able to look up and see, and we're drawn to the one who's given his life for us. 
He's come also to open blind eyes. Even if the light is there, if you're blind, you cannot see the light. So he has to open up our ability to see. He's going to bring out prisoners from the, from the prisons, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. This is what the Messiah is going to do. This is what the servant is going to do. Verse 16 of chapter 42. I will bring the blind by a way they know not. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. Some of us, we go around this world and we're just like, oh man, God has forsaken me. I've just done too much. I just did that again. Man, I just relapsed. I just, ah. You might forsake yourself, but God's not going to forsake you. It's a promise right here. And it's all over the word. So you don't trust in what you say, or you don't trust in what some the naysayers, the people that are pointing at you. You don't trust in them. You trust in what the word of God tells you. That's why it's important to read so we know and understand what it says. Verse 18, hear you deaf and look, you blind, that you may see. Oh, man, this other one is going to, if I continue to read this, we're going to be in there for 30 minutes. We don't have that time. So I'm going to drop down to chapter 43. And he says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. He's coming to redeem us from Satan. He's coming to redeem us from the serpent in the garden because we gave over our soul over to him because we choose to bow down and, and worship the creature, the serpent, by listening to his word than listening to God's word. So we gave ourselves over to him willingly. But Christ has come and done the work that he's purchasing us back. He bought us back. And he says, I have called you by your name. By your name. He knows your name. It's not generality. James, you're mine. Put your name in there. You're mine. He is the God that wants to be intimate with his people, his children. And that's what he wants. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. So when you're going through your trial, tribulation, and whatever you're going through, he didn't, he didn't say he's taking you out of it, but he's going to be right there with you through it. Are you sure about this, Lord? I got you. I got you. I remember holding my dad's hand when I was afraid. As soon as I grabbed a hold of it, I'm all right. My dad was 6'3". He was 240 pounds. Yeah. He had one of them big, full Navy beards. Yeah. I got this. I'm not afraid of nothing now. Grab hold of Papa's hand. As, as much as I love my dad, Papa God is so much greater. And let's see, one more. Verse 25 of, of 40, verse 40, chapter 43 in Isaiah, he says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. These are just some of the works, just, in, just read just two chapters. These are just some of the works that Christ, the servant of the Lord, the Messiah, the holy anointed one, is working out for you and I. Man. 
And that brings me great joy. Because, <laughs> man, I've been trying so hard, trying so hard. And every time I, I just try, the harder I try, the more I seem to fail. But the Bible tells us that that's how it is. You know, this, this flesh is just that way. So it never rests and relies upon you and I making ourselves good enough to get to heaven. We never could, because if we could, he never would have died on the cross for our sin. But he knew that we couldn't, so he had, God himself had to do it for us. So he's working the works of God, the works of him who sent him while it is day. As long as he's in the world, he is the light of the world. And at this, this is where we're seeing just as, as Jesus in the verses up there in the end of chapter 8 where he says, I am, we're getting ready to see the I am at work. We're seeing God at work, incarnate. Stuff that he created us from, the dirt. You know, he looks down at the dirt and he, he does the hot too. <laughs> Spits down on it. Sorry for the dad joke scoops up that little spittle, which seems to be so nasty. Oh God, would you do that right now? God, would you do this right now? Would you open up understanding right now? Would you open up eyes to say right now? In the name of Jesus, would you open up eyes right now? 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 So he's anointing him. He anoints him. He anoints him. The healing didn't come, though, yet. He anointed him. He says, now go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I don't know what I'm doing this for. They always anoint people with mud and put it on our eyes because it's burning, but I mean, that's what they did. They do in the day, but okay. He said it. I'm just going to do it. Got nothing else to lose. I'm tired of begging. Everybody walking over me and talking about me and talking trash. Oh, man. And he came back seeing in the progression of time he had surrendered himself he's just sitting there surrendered himself yielded himself up to Jesus allowed him to anoint him then Jesus spoke gave him instruction he listened and he had the courage to obey and the faith to obey without it it's impossible to please God but he goes at the word, and at his word, he's now healed. It's a process. Surrender, yield, listen, obey, follow through, and watch what God's going to do. But somewhere in the midst, we get something interrupts that. And so as he anointed you this morning, don't... Don't let anything interrupt that. Your preconceived ideas and notions, your judgments, your accusations, your judgments. 
Oh, 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 wait a minute. Keep these fingers in check. Especially when you're driving. Ah, some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm usually the recipient of that. So verse 8, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not, this, is not this he who sat and begged? Is that you? I went to family, not family reunion. Actually, it could kind of family reunion. I went to high school reunion last night. I didn't recognize nobody. <laughs> hey, you know me, you remember me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a long time. You are great. I think that's he. I think that's he. And the others said, he's like him. Okay, you guys can't tell my wife about what's getting ready to happen. And I mean no disrespect, but he might have stopped doing this, the Stevie Wonder thing. And with him not doing that, they can't quite understand who he is. He's different. He's changing. And sometimes when you and I change before the Lord, we don't have to cut him out and say anything, but there's things that just are just different. And people are like, is that Pope? Something's different. And they want to stay away. And that's okay. But as, they, as you continue to grow and mature, they start seeing that that's a real thing. And they might even just start gravitating towards you because the light has crawled inside of you and the light is shining out of your eyes. The light of Christ is just glistening from your forehead. The light of Christ is just glistening from your actions now and your deeds that you didn't even have to try to do because you just let his love change you. So there's a progression going on here. And so, again, they're trying to figure it out. He's, he's like him, and he said, I'm he. Therefore, they said to him, how are your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash so I went and washed and received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. So I don't know if you've seen what just happened just in those fast verses that I just went. This guy got healed. He got healed. He was born blind. Where was it, man? Like, man, you could see? Wow, what in the world just happened to you? If dad were grilling him. And we're trying to figure stuff out. Can't we be just happy for someone that's just had something miraculous done and, and, and now his life has changed? Can't we just get along with, on board with that? Why do we have to try to rip and tear? And... Because they're not able to actually see. Not able actually able to know and understand that God just did something. Now, thank God that God's patient allowing us to catch up. But my goodness, 
Somebody gets healed in here. Somebody has victory over something. We should be just so elated and happy for them. But junk gets in the way. One great tragedy, and, and it's only because we stop here. It'll, it'll clear up a little bit. But if, I, if we just stopped here and this is the end of the story, it's a great tragedy that this miracle happened and they asked, well, where's the guy that healed you? And he just said, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be born blind biologically, but if I was born blind, uh, born blind biologically and then I got healed, I hope I was be like, wow, how did you, what did you, well, thank you. Where are you going? Can I come? Hey, how did this happen? I'd be with them all the time. You know, no, no excuse. I'm right there. Boom. He'd be annoyed with me. Where are you going? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Why? Because you're going to keep following me. I'd be all over it. But you'll, in the next coming weeks, you'll uh, learn more and more. And we'll see what happens with that. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. I have a couple of reflections on this that I want to try to bring out a little bit. You remember how I said at the start that you and I would ask the Lord to help us to understand and, 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 and to remove these blinders and obstacles that are in the way to keep, that has kept us from understanding? So I did that. And uh, I don't think I was quite ready for it. Because it, it's, it's, in the word, it's easy to identify with people that, you know, you like and something good has happened to them. But it's a totally different thing to identify with the negative. And so initially, I was really identifying with the blind man because, you know, when I came to Christ, you know, God opened my eyes and then now I received him, you know, and that was great. Thank you, Lord, for that. But I wasn't prepared for him to say, James, just like those Pharisees, the religious rulers, you got that blindness. You got that stigma. I'm like, sometimes you, you, you know, you don't, you don't, sometimes you don't just come to me like the disciples and ask, well, why is this guy man born? Why has this guy been born blind? Was it his parents or was it, you know, was it, from, or was it his own sin? You know, you just pile right through a situation and make your judgment. You pile right through a situation and you bring forth your opinion. God's like, stand up there. Does my word not hold any weight? How are you jumping all to those conclusions before? Because I see things from a totally different perspective than you see them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was hard to hear.
couple of examples of my ridiculous blindness. And see, so when I'm saying this, I'm, I'm saying this in hopes that you will do some personal inventory as well in regards to perhaps your personal blindness, spiritually speaking. I had a couple of weeks ago, I had COVID and I'm laying down and I'm kind of going through a little bit of a pity party. Then I get phone calls and they're discouraging phone calls from people that I've known for years and people that I've trusted and I've loved Loved them, we fellowship and all that. And then just what coming out is just like discouragement after discouragement. And then family come in. And it's like, it felt like it was being torn down. I'm like, oh. And you read the stuff in the papers and you know all this stuff. And, and then all these problems are coming in. This person's struggling with this. That person's struggling. That person's going, God, I can't do this. Yeah. You never were meant to. I'm the one that does that. Burdens you're trying to carry, you can't carry them. You're supposed to yoke yourself up to me, and I carry. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What are you trying to do, carry a load? My back was ripped open for you. Why Why are you trying to carry the burden when you couldn't? My back was ripped open because you couldn't carry the burden. I carried it for you. Your head was, my head was beat up for you. These thoughts, these crown of thorns being pulled over. You're thinking too much stuff. I took the beating in the, in the head for you because of that. Let it go. You're trying to carry things with your hands and with your legs. I was pinned to the cross for you for that because I was carrying that, not you. And then, as weeks went, people that I got calls from and they were discouraging, they all of a sudden became overwhelmed with trial and error and circumstances that were beyond their control. And I began to say, oh God, I was hearing what they were saying, but I didn't, I didn't really hear what they were saying. What they were saying as the discouragement was coming my way, that they themselves were in pain. They themselves were suffering. And I needed to be in a position to pray for them. I was not able to see their situation. And I looked at it from biological eyes rather than spiritual eyes. And so that's why I say it was blind. Some of these reflections are a little ridiculous, but one day I was, uh, this was, uh, I was 16 or 17. It was my, one, a good job that I had was working in, at MCRD, Marine Corps Recruit Depot. And I was a recreation aide. Now on weekends, you couldn't leave the building because there wasn't enough staff. So you had to stay in the building and at, at all times. So I'm staying in the building. 
they're coming in. It's actually a gym. There are all the recruits and, and uh, Marines are coming in, working out, and some, some folks in the Navy. And so I'm, I'm having lunch, and I'm sitting down, having my lunch, keeping watch. And the guy that was actually over special services came in. He was, he was a captain. He was an old Vietnam War hero. Not, he wasn't that old at, at that time, but he's a Vietnam War hero, and he sees me sitting down. You know what his assumption was? His assumption was that I was just sitting down on the job. But I was having my lunch, punched out. At lunch this time, just having my lunch. So he goes over to the desk. Hey, uh, can you, like, wipe the walls down or something and then wipe this, you know, can you? I'm like, my lunch aside, yeah, sure. I was obeying. He's the boss. He's the captain, actually. So it's probably the next day that I worked, my boss comes in and says, hey, I hear you were sitting down on the job over the weekend, and he had to put you to work. I said, actually, I was at lunch. I was having my lunch, and he interrupted my lunch. But I, 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 I did the work. Oh, you were eating? Yeah. You know we can't leave the campus and all that sort of stuff. So I'm having my lunch, enjoying my lunch. And so it wasn't until about two weeks later where the captain came back in. And he just said, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you were having lunch. Why didn't you say so? I said, I'm just serving here. I'm just here just trying to work and do my job. So you wanted me to do it? I just did it. Not a, no big deal. He says, well, I didn't mean to interrupt your lunch. So my purpose of telling you that little story is that we see things from our perspective and we make judgments not really actually understanding what is really going on. And we need to take the time to find out what is really going on and take the time to care and understand, have conversation. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm equating myself to the blind. I'm blind. I'm the blind man. And I'm the blind neighbors. We talked about the neighbors in there. And, and even the ancient audience that John is even writing this letter to, and we're now also the audience. And we are the blind. And God wants to open up our hearts. Sometimes we see things through our own personal, individual, social, cultural, and religious, and familial, educational, and political, and even racial and financial constructs, these goggles, or these sites, their worldviews that sometimes sound good in our own heads, but they're tainted by sin that started from the Garden of Eden all the way back. And we need to repent of those things. So all those people that started to struggle, I realized that there was spiritual warfare and I needed to pray for them. And I'm going to give you... <laughs> One more. There was a man that, um, and, and you might have heard this story. And they, I believe it's in New York City. The guy was riding the subway with his children. Have you heard it? The guy was riding the subway with his, with his children. And his children were up the car and down the car and sideways. And, and then finally, they were annoying all the people that were in the, in the car. And he said, sir, one of the guys finally speaks up. Sir, can you calm your kids down? I mean, they're just, just boisterous. And the man looked up kind of half dazed and in a fog, and he looked at his kids, and he's like, oh, oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm totally sorry. Kids, would you try to come down? He says, 
sorry that they're this way. They just got through burying their mother and they're not quite sure what to do with themselves. I wonder how that individual who spoke up trying to say, calm your kids down, how he felt after hearing that they just lost their mom and they just didn't know what to do with themselves. You know, how do you, how do you act when you just lose someone that you love and that's been caring for you for so long? How, does one, how is one supposed to behave and act? We need to be able to give time and space for folks. Now, as negative as I made that sound, I praise God for his grace because then came at me in a different way. And, and actually, when you start going a little further into the study, you'll see it. That in God's economy, being blind is not necessarily a bad thing. So, and I think I prayed a little bit about that. Because if, if I'm blind, I, yes, I can learn perhaps how to be a little bit self-sufficient. But Stevie Wonder can't drive himself to the airport. He needs some help. He needs some assistance. Right? And especially if he goes to a new area. I remember watching him in the concert when I was a kid, you know, and he was playing behind, you know, we had bad tickets, so I was able to see him play a little bit from the side corner, you know. He's playing, and next thing you know, he's no longer there. And next thing you know, somebody's guiding him up to the, to the front of the stage, and he's dancing at the front of the stage, you know, and the best way Stevie Wonder could dance, you know, and it, wow, what a great joy to be able to see that. Here's this man that's blind, but sees so much more than we could ever see. How can he write as much as he writes and touch our hearts? I want to be there the day when, in, in heaven, when his eyes biologically, so to speak, spiritually are opened up. And we see colors. I want to hear what he has to say with the colors. I want to hear what he has to say when he sees what the animals look like. I want to see what he has to say when he sees his family. This is what my family actually looks like. I want to see, oh, this is what mountains really look like. This is what sky really looks like. This is what stars really look like. This is what the heavens look like. But all that pales in comparison to the one who's sitting on the throne. Oh, my God. And he's going to be so glorious and so beautiful that we don't even want to look up because we're so unworthy and we feel that we're so filthy. But Jesus, the great advocate that he is, he cloaked us in his righteousness. And as we had read earlier, he's not going to remember our sin no more. So we have this great confidence and great courage knowing that we can be boldly before his throne of grace and mercy. And be grateful for his graciousness to us. So I'm going to repeat this verse that I read to you earlier. As I'm being blind, I have this promise here, 16th verse of chapter 42. I will bring the blind James by a way he did not know. I will lead James in paths he has not known. I will make darkness before him. I will make darkness light before him and crooked places straight. These things I will do for him 
These things, he says, actually, I will do for them and not forsake them. In closing, when we see and understand things from God's perspective, then this is what our life is going to look like. And this comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 in the Amplified. We rejoice in the Lord always. We delight and take pleasure in him. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and over your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. In the matchless name of Christ, we ask these things that they be so. And yes and amen. Open the eyes of our sight for those of us that recognize, Lord, we have been and are the blind. Lead us and guide us in a way we know not. Lead us and guide us into your kingdom. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.